0: Wise Podcast, Season 4. I'm your host, Casey Tigrett, and an author and a spiritual director. What comes to mind for you when I use the word touch? It's an important word. Touch is how we connect with people. Touches how we feel the heat of our stove. Touches how we sense distance sometimes. Touch is what we experience when we pet or the family dog or cat. But touch is one of those things that often comes with a lot of baggage because touch has been used to wound, to hurt, to oppress, to take advantage, to take something that doesn't belong. And so it doesn't get talked about a lot, and when it does get talked about, it's talked about in ways about appropriateness and about inappropriateness. And very rarely do we talk about touch in the context of faith. And what does God have to do with touch? How did Jesus approach the conversation and action of touching another person? My guest today, Lori Ferguson Wilbert, wants to talk about touch in a way that's renewing and restoring. She wants to talk about it in a way that leaves boundaries in place that says, you know, some people just aren't aren't touchers because of life circumstances, because of history, or because that's just who they are. But she brings a perspective to us on the concept of touch and the idea of touch that helps to rediscover the sacredness of touch, the beauty of it, the goodness of it, and how we might have a healthier view of the role that touch plays in our lives with God. So, I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation with my guest, Lori Ferguson, Wilbur. Laurie, I am, I'm glad to be talking to you. And I think it's fun when we talked about how we're both in like the only sacred, quiet spaces <laughs> in our house. The listeners know I do this sometimes in the back of the car and you are in your in your room with the one door. <laughs> I think that's great. So thanks for going to the room with the one door so we could talk today. Yeah. I always begin and want to start here with you uh, with this question about wisdom and Mm -hmm. just the idea of where that starts for you. So if you were going to define that word, uh, where would you begin? Where would the starting point be for you?
1: Yeah. I love that question. And I think like my sort of the the black and white part of me wants to go right to the dictionary definition, but I don't think that's what you're asking for. Um, I think, you know, a a, a scripture that's kind of on my mind a lot about wisdom is in Proverbs. Um, The writer says, you know, the first to state a case seems right until the second comes along or the second cross examines him. And I just think, man, I just, for me, wisdom comes by listening to many different perspectives Mm -hmm. on something and and i think the second thing that that verse teaches me is to be slow to speak you know to not always be the first one to speak into something um but to listen and so i think that's wisdom for me is listening and listening with others listening with god even listening with my own self like listening to my own body and my own emotions and what are they saying? What are they trying to tell me? And, um, listening. And as we engage the word of God, listening to the world around us, what's happening, paying attention to those things. So, yeah.
0: We started before we, the episode started, we talked about the, this feeling as writers the weight of we're listening in your words, uh, talking about wisdom. You know, we're listening to the things that are happening around us socially, um, mm. racial. it's Continuing to watch uh, race be an issue in policing and economics, and it's, it feels like the the Peter Gabriel or not Peter Gabriel, but the uh, Talking Head song. Um, where he says same as it ever was and just repeats that over and over Mm, again. It feels so much, so much redundancy. And you and I were talking about the need to say something. Um, And yet at the The same time. The felt need to say something. Yeah, the felt need. Like we need something needs to be said here, but also the idea that we're a part of this bigger Mm. group of voices. Um, It seems like it's hard to be wise together though. Do you get that sense? How does that sit with you? It feels like it's hard to be a community of wisdom for some reason.
1: I think, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It is hard. And I think it's hard because there is such a demand to be speaking constantly. If you have any kind of influence or any kind of insight into life or people or any of those things, there is a demand. And it's really hard to resist that demand. Um, And I think as a culture, we don't do it very well. I mean, that's why we've got viral videos on TikTok happening constantly and, you know, memes, funny memes, but also like really damaging memes and things like that that just go viral so quickly because we just, we don't know how to resist as a culture. Mm. Um, Our impulses were, I don't want to say always sin, but just... We don't know how to re- we don't know how to sort of stay. In- we don't know how to be long suffering, mm. and just stay in spaces that are even uncomfortable spaces.
0: Yeah, it's just key. It's key to listening. Yeah. Key to to growing in our wisdom and and there's a there's a transparency to that too. Is mm. try being sure that we're admitting the fact that we we all live yeah. at the crossroads of our contradictions. Like we're all Like trying to fight through, I do think this, but I also think this, and having people help us with that. Um, The book that we're talking about today, Handle With Care, is one of those conversations when you start talking about the idea of physical touch, especially in a theological, spiritual formation, you know, local church kind of sense— uh, somewhere in the book you say when you mentioned the topic to someone to, to people, they tended to cringe. Um, but that's a, a that's a very potent conversation as well. When you started writing this, did you have an image in your head of of how this book would come out? what what kind of things would happen as a result of, you know, being very, and we'll get into a bit of the stories, but being very transparent about touch and how it has played into damaged rearranged etc. Did you have a sense of what was going to happen and what did that look like?
1: You know, I I try to in all of my writing, I try to sit down and just say, "Lord, what do you want me to say?" Like, I don't want to pander to this sort of expected outcome or expected even audience. I mean, there were times where I had um very specific people in mind that I wanted to care for as I was writing. But I really was just like, God, what's the book you want me to write? And I, I want to do that. I think that was kind of my expectation going into it. And then the outcome is that it, you know, released three weeks before we were all put on lockdown for the pandemic. And so I think it it it's a book that I at first, you know, I kind of shook my fist at God a little bit like is this a cosmic joke? (laughs) Like, what were you doing? Um, and I, now, you know, a year later, I have a little bit more, um, I don't know, patience for myself and insight into what maybe the Lord was doing. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't say I had like an expectation and I wouldn't say that my expectation was met if I had one (laughs) with it, if that makes sense.
0: Which is kind of a blessing. Like, I didn't have an expectation, and what I thought it might have done it didn't happen anyway.
1: <laughs> it is it is kind of a blessing, although one of the, the areas that the Lord is pretty consistently disciplining me, and I, by discipline, I mean in a spiritual discipline way, not punishing me, um, is just the the need to have expectations and the need to have some hopes and things like that. And so actually one of the things that I learned through that process was to actually bring my hopes to my manuscript as I'm writing. So I'm working on another manuscript right now and I have so many hopes for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really sweet thing. It's a really, like the Lord wants us to bring our desires to him. So I just didn't from that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You, you, in the book, you have a conversation about the power both positive and negative of touch
1: mm.
0: for someone who's wondering how this may begin where do you ground that idea of you know from a from a perspective of being a follower of jesus where where do you ground the idea of physical touch and a healthy and a healthy view of it where does that where does that start for you
1: For me, it starts with the very first act of God with a human being is that he formed Adam, that he um, reached inside of Adam and removed a rib and formed Eve. Um, And so God's first act was to touch his creation. And I find that really compelling. I find that really um, curious, and I wanted to think more about that. And it also occurred to me as I was writing that the first sin in a lot of ways had to do with touch. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Eve, um, God had said, don't, don't eat of the fruit. And when the serpent came and tempted Eve, she said, God said, don't eat or touch. So she was adding to God's word with this thing that was like innately beautiful about God that we, you know, we are matter and we can touch matter. And suddenly it became something sinful to touch something and I think we should pay attention to those things when we see them in scripture. So I think, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's not my love language or I don't really like to be touched. And I understand that. I understand that. And my, my question for that person would be, let's explore that. Yeah. Like what's going on that you resist being touched. Uh, Cause I think God wants to do something there. I think God wants to heal. And he wants to reveal himself and his, both like the goodness and the righteousness of healthy touch, and the sin and destruction of unhealthy touch, um, so that we can see them clearly and not just, you know, peg ourselves into that's just not my love language kind of space. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You also highlight the the heavy emphasis in the Old Testament law on not touching, prohibitions against touching various things, not not just people, other people, but you know certain things that could lead to uncleanness. And then Jesus just seems to embrace a life of touching as the way yeah. of healing, transformation, and restoration. With all the weight of that, at the same time, it feels like, like you said, I, I mentioned to somebody that I was interviewing you and I talked about the topic of, of your book, and their first reaction was that like, half wince, like, Ooh, and we'll get into why that is because I think there's a bigger thing, but what is it? What is the, what is the animating force behind that? Like almost gut level wince we have about touch from a, from a religious or theological standpoint.
1: Well, I think it's twofold. I think it, well, it's probably more than twofold. But from my perspective, I see two things at play. And the first is what you mentioned. We have, we, you know, we, as much as we're New Testament Christians, we are Old Testament Christians. (laughs) Like we, we still want to live by the law. And so we still have this like, you know, demands to not touch, you know, pulsing through us, especially those of us who grew up in purity culture and, and spaces like that, where we're just... You just how all have rules about touching. Um, and let's pause in the there. Book, f- let's pause yeah. there for
0: a second because I think that's important. Um, because I think generationally, that right now the predominant li- listeners are probably talk about that idea of purity culture. When you when you mention that phrase, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it can mean as little or as much as you want it to mean but i think you know people who grew up on passion and purity i kiss dating goodbye um people who today would practice the billy graham rule and um who won't be alone with someone of the opposite gender or um leave the door open when they're meeting with someone or don't even have friends of the opposite gender Mm -hmm. or they just like they're just squeamish about you know sort of the underlying, like, what's going on. That's kind of the question behind our minds um, when we're engaged in touching someone, even in a very platonic, pure way. Um, there's still that question. Even with even within marriage, there's that question. Hmm. You know, when he touches me, is he asking for sex? When she touches me, is she saying she wants... So there's all these, like, there's the story we're telling ourselves. Um And I think a lot of that is birthed in um, the story that we were told through purity culture, which is just, you know, basically women are prey. Uh, women are, um, men are animals who can't control their lust. Women are sexual beings who are there just to cause men to stumble. And that's the, if that's a narrative you grew up with, which I don't know about you, it's the narrative I grew up with. Yeah. Um, it makes it really hard to untangle any kind of pure, godly, faithful, healthy um touch as embodied creatures. Yeah.
0: So that was the first fold. You had you had two <laughs> folds. You wanted to talk about what was the I I may have derailed you. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, ask me the question again and I'll remember. <laughs>
0: well, what the, it's the it's why do we have that gut level wince when we think about touch and the first is this purity culture idea.
1: Well, actually, yeah, I think that's the second. That it kind of bleeds into the second, which is is the first is that, you know, do, we have all these sort of Old Testament laws do not touch. The second is really that we are the product of a church culture that loves modern day rules and laws and regulations. And so um, and so this might have been the second. I, th- I think also that we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I would talk about writing this book, people would say, I've never even had a conversation with anyone about this. And I think it's because we, I don't know why, we're just afraid to have these conversations. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what's at the, at the bottom of that. For every person, I think it's probably different, but we don't like awkward conversations and this can be an awkward conversation. So I think that's probably the other part of it is just, it's just a lack of familiarity um which i think is related to honestly a lack of familiarity with our own bodies mm. and that's really what the book gets into the further you go on is that we we're unfamiliar with our stories we're unfamiliar with the trauma that we've endured and and the ways that that shapes what we do with our hands we're unfamiliar with um like our own sexuality we're unfamiliar with exploring it in a spiritual sense mm-hmm. um and that sounds really vague but <laughs> but I, I hope I can be a little bit more clear in the book but I think we're just we're unfamiliar with these we just think a body is very um practical it's very pragmatic it it's what helps us live in the world but it's so much more mysterious and beautiful and complex than that yeah.
0: It's as if we have, it's very practical and then past the line of practicality, it is, we get into that sort of Gnostic place where it is, Mm -hmm. it's the enemy. Like up until the point where it keeps us alive, it's fine. But after that, all the other stuff the body wants to do is to be avoided and sweaty and grimy. And, you know, I find Mm -hmm. that I had this experience at a retreat center when I was in college and we were on a silent retreat And re, they, the people who let it, God bless them, they were wonderful. Um, but they took silence seriously to the point where we didn't even pray for meals. What they did was they taught us this, these like five body movements we did mm-hmm. as a way of saying grace. And for so many of us, that was, that was such a new thing. And yet when you did it, you were like, yeah, there was something like a light switch went on. And I find even still that, like, praying with, with my, you know, different physical actions um, really gets at the heart of that. But it also invites you—I watch people do it, and I see the fear. And in the book you said to touch is to be vulnerable, and to be touched is to be uh, vulnerable as well. Vulnerability is like that gift that nobody wants, like it's the thing that we need, but it's the thing that like to get there, it just seems so painful. What is it about vulnerability and touch that make it so good and yet at the same time just make it such a challenging dynamic?
1: I mean, I think we can look right to the life of Christ. I mean, we see a man who you know, he made himself the most vulnerable um mm-hmm coming to earth, God in flesh, becoming a baby, um, allowing unclean women to touch him, um, children, babies, uh, sinners, tax collectors. Um, and not only that, but allowing himself to be touched. I think about one of the stories I share in the book is, is about when he offered his wounds to Thomas's doubt. Like he, he, That's like a very vulnerable act to allow yourself to be touched in that way. So it's not just that Jesus touched, but that Jesus allowed himself to be touched. So I think when we look at that model, um, I have to say, okay, what does, what, what from that bears on me today as a believer, as a Christ follower? Um, How do I need to live with my body? Not just, I think so much of evangelicalism is, it's about the mind or sometimes about the heart, the spirit and the soul is, I think your listeners were probably a little bit more familiar with it, but I think in the, you know, grand scheme of things, most people don't like to talk about those things, but I think the body even less, we just have no, um, I think the Catholic Church has has done a lot of thinking and talking about that, but in, in the evangelical church, we just haven't. Mm -hmm. And so, Um. And so I I just think it says a lot that Jesus came as a body, and we have to pay attention to that.
0: um uh, one of the things about it is people are listening to our conversation we we're talking very conceptually uh yeah. concretely because we're talking about you know skin and bone but but very conceptually as well but the book is not a conceptual book um you dive into some of the real significant gritty depths of your own story um Talk about the significance of that for you to not only talk about touch, but to talk about it from the place of experience. And you know, I sensed as I read the stories that you tell about yourself and your your growing up, there was an ache. Um, and it's funny, like even all of these terms I'm about to use are all physical feeling terms. There was an ache. Um, there was a stirring there was a mm-hmm. sense of just being being moved by the simplicity of how you encountered touch. Talk a little bit about that that experience of really being transparent, being vulnerable about your own physical experiences over time.
1: Yeah, I have to, I mean, one of my, I think, thought mentors is, is Andy Crouch. And in his book, Strong and Weak, he talks about, and I, I really encourage your listeners to go, Google his um, his four quadrants on uh, authority and vulnerability. And, but basically what he's saying is that um, we cannot have human flourishing if we have authorities who are never vul- vulnerable. Um, so people who are solely authoritative uh, end up in some ways exploiting people and people who are only vulnerable end up suffering and so I wanted to model that it, in the book. I wanted to model what does it look like for me to bring my own wounds, my own story to this work. So it's not just a conceptual work um, because I'm very careful in the book to not do to not give a list of rules. I, I never tell anyone how they should touch or how they should not touch or be touched or allow themselves to be touched. Um, I'm really careful to do that. And so I thought, well, okay, I have to bring my vulnerability to like couple that with my authority in this, or I don't think the book will, first of all, I wouldn't have integrity in writing the book because I'm so convictionally, I love that picture of just vulnerability and authority being leading to human flourishing. I'm convicted to live that way. Hmm. And so it wouldn't have been a book with integrity if I didn't share that story. As as difficult as it was in a lot of ways to share,
0: yeah, yeah. As I as I read about specifically, you had a friend who, throughout your, I believe, is in your teenage years, a female friend who you had a a platonic, like very close physical relationship with. What it brought to mind for me is how how two th- there's two things to me that seem like they come right up as soon as you start talking about touching another person. So it's, it's touch, but it's also like it involves you aren't just touching something. Like there's another story that you're connecting with. But the two things that for me were very strong were the ideas of belonging, uh, that touch. Well, I'll let you fill that in. And... And boundaries, because you you measure both of those in the book, like there's a sense where this belongs, it's appropriate, and we belong to another person, but there's also this sense of boundary. How does that function for you as you think about the physical relationships you've had in your life?
1: Yeah, I think it's important to say that every relationship is different. So I bring my whole story to every relationship, right? But I'm engaging with someone who has a different story. So the way that I engage um, with my dear friend, the one that you're talking about, who's still, my, she was just here for the weekend, like one of my dearest friends in the world. Um, The way I engage with her and her story is different than the way that I engage with my other very close friends. Is different from the way that i engage with my husband is different than you know so we have to bring our story and i talk about this we have to bring that wholeness of our story to, to these relationships where we are engaging our hands um, but we also have to recognize that every single person bears on their body and in their body their story and so um, that's where boundaries come in so i have to be able to um, I have to actually care about their story and care for their story as I care for their body um, in whatever that looks like. And for some people, uh, caring for their story and caring for their body means I don't touch them. Mm. Um, that's the that's the story that they're living and that it's okay. It's not my job to to change their story. It's my job to enter into their story like Jesus did and to walk with them in it. And to see what the Lord might do, but it's not my job to take my story and bear that story on theirs um, because I want to, or because I need something from them or I want them to need me or, or whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah.
0: we were, we've experienced a couple of years now you talked about when you when the book came out also there was the strong me too movement and the church too movement that comes alongside of that we've seen a lot more public um, recognition public outrage especially in church in christian circles mm-hmm. about inappropriate touch uh, between you know, leaders uh, who typically have a culture that protects their power and their abilities mm-hmm. to do that. But we've also learned, I, I, we've at least been made aware, I don't know about learning just yet, but we've also been made aware of the the deep importance of consent, mm-hmm. of permission, of awareness. Uh, I was speaking to a group of 20-somethings at our church, and it was predominantly female and I don't know what came over me and why I decided to say it, but I just, I looked and I said, you all realize that just because somebody in church wants to hug you doesn't mean you have to hug them. And I I was just shocked at the amount of relief. (laughs) Like the sheer like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Just this relief that came over people. And so for you as someone who's just, who has really sweat, and bled with this idea of physical relationships, physical touch within the within a theological and, and religious context. Where do you feel like this conversation is at this point? Like, wh- where are we now with this, with the idea of healthy touch? And I mean, are things are things moving in a better direction? Is you know, I, where where are you? Where are you seeing things headed from from your perspective?
1: Yeah, I don't. I haven't talked very much about this, but I sometimes think, um, man, I wonder if this pandemic, this year of social distancing, or more a year, or more of social distancing, is is God's way of saying, "Hey, reset time to time to think, it's, um, to experience a real loss of human contact, um, but also to experience what it means to." Just reconsider our own actions with one another and and I think, as simultaneously as that's happening, we are just seeing a rapid, rapid uptick in um, people who are going to counseling for the first time or going to therapy and and reckoning with their stories and I think so much of what we do with our bodies is a reflection of our story, the story that we've lived. And in a lot of ways for most of us, it's the reflection of a story that we haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. It's a story that we haven't healed from. And um it's a story that in a lot of ways we we don't want to heal from because we don't even know the ways that it's informing what we do. And um, and so I think now I, I look at our world and I just think, man, God help us to take advantage of this time to, because I think, you know, as the vaccine goes out and as we're beginning to sort of open our doors and invite in, we have an opportunity to relearn, I think, um, if we want to, we have an opportunity to relearn both how we touch and also how we receive it. And we can do that passively. We can, you know, just let it happen to us. um, Or we can decide like those girls in your, in the, the um the place where you're teaching that they can make a different decision they can they can not receive that hug if they don't want to um, and they can absolutely make that choice in clear conscience before the Lord and um, and so this is their opportunity really to create some new boundaries you know I see um, some churches doing this like bracelet thing where it's like green is, um, I'm okay to be touched. You can hug me, high five me, whatever yellow is. I'm okay to talk with you, but you know, let's stand apart from each other a bit. And red is like, I'm not okay to talk or touch. Um, and they're just, you know, these little rubber bracelets Mm -hmm. that, that they're handing out to people before the service. And I'm like, man, I, I kind of love that. I hate that we're in a Predicament where we have to use that. Sure. But I also kind of love that because it really it gives it returns like autonomy, which is so important, so important in our healing. It's so important in our um, in our spiritual growth. It's so important for us to be able to take uh, to decide I'm going to change this broken thing. I'm going to change this behavior in my own life or this behavior that's broken coming at me. And so I kind of like those bracelets. I don't. I don't know that they'll last for long, but I just like the. It's it's like wearing a T-shirt that says, you know, "Free hugs" or a T-shirt that says, "I'm not a hugger."
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: you're just like clarity is kind, and we're in a, at a time when like we have the opportunity to be really clear in a way that I don't. I think would have been strange a few years ago and now we're just like, yeah, that's life. So
0: clarity. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Clarity is kind. I really like that.
1: I'm positive. I did not coin that. So it, please don't quote me right.
0: on No, it's quite, it's quite all right. Everything we have is borrowed. or
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: I, because there's something about that that resonates with something in me that I, I struggle when when I see people barking back at the hard work that it takes to love another person. Yep. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It takes takes something. It takes effort. It takes knowing the other person. You know, we read that command of Jesus to love God and others and— and you love your neighbor as yourself with every, everything you have. And and we think that that's an easy thing to do, but to love well means you know the person you're loving. And those bracelets are just, those are really helpful because it's like, this is how you love me well. Leave me alone. <laughs> or don't, don't touch me. I'd love to talk with you, but I'm just not a hugger. And that, I love how you said, you know, if we weren't in this predicament, we wouldn't need that. And that is one of the things that I think is really helpful about your book is that I feel like with the concept of touch, there's no one who's really hearing that necessarily for the first time. For most of us, we're we're in need of doing some rehabilitation. Yeah. And you talk about in ways that are 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 tasteful. So if someone is thinking about reading your book, I just want I want them to know that this is. You know, if you've had this situation happen in your life, I feel like Lori's account is one you could read and it wouldn't be incredibly triggering. So, but just be warned um, that they, you've had a, an experience of sexual abuse in your life. How do you, as the author of this book about touch, what was it? What was the process that took you from that experience of abuse to being able to talk? about something that's at the root of that hurt with, you know, positivity and energy and even a sense of this is a holy, sacred thing. How did you get from A to B?
1: Yeah, just to be clear, I did not say that abuse was a holy, sacred thing. No, no, Touch, no, no. Yeah, no, right. T- just t- just want to be clear not about abuse. That. Yeah, thank yeah. you for that. That's good. Um, I think therapy was really helpful for me. Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of just engaging my own story, being on, being being able to tell my story to attuned listeners, um, was really helpful for me. Is that, is this kind of answering the question you're asking?
0: Well, and part of the reason why I ask is because I'm, I'm interested in how you made that move, but also because I just, anymore, there's no one I meet who doesn't have some experience of sexual trauma of yeah. some kind in their life. Yeah. So that, that to me seems to be a big obstacle for this conversation is, yeah, right. But I had this and how do yeah. I?
1: Yeah. And I, I think my, you know, at the end of the book, I have a letter to the one who's been abused mm-hmm. because it, that person, I would say, if there was a person in my mind throughout the whole book, and there's a reason I didn't go into detail about my abuse because I don't want to trigger anyone. I was very, very careful to to moderate myself around those things Um, I think that um, I think that therapy is is a gift from God Um, and I think that telling our stories to people who truly love us and are listening to us and not listening to us so they can fix us and not listening to us so they can get us from point A to point B but they're just listening and they're sort of peeling gently through through good questions peeling back those layers that help us to to help heal our brains because that is kind of ultimately what needs to be healed in our um in our body is our brain our actual physical brain Mm -hmm. needs to be healed around abuse and trauma and that cannot happen on our own it can it's god God made our bodies so that we need other bodies. You know, it is not good for man to be alone. And so that's not just about marriage. That's, that's about the human body. And so we need, we need other bodies involved in our work of healing. Um, and as long as we keep that quiet and secret, um, God still loves us in that secrecy god still loves us in that space of feeling alone and unhealed his love never changes for us even if we feel totally broken around these things but he wants to heal he desires to heal that is why jesus came to heal and to bind up our broken hearts and and heal us and so um that's my i guess that's that is my That is how I implore people. And I also secondarily just want to say this. I think you're right when you say there are very few people who haven't been touched by sexual trauma of some kind. And I think it's okay to be honest about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching pornography rewires your brain. It traumatizes your brain. Um, Making pornography rewires your brain. It traumatizes your brain. You need to heal from that that's just a reality and and so it's not just the person who was you know 5 years old and touched by someone inappropriately it's the teenage boy it's the college girl it's the it's the wife who feels neglected by her husband like <laughs> we are we sexual brokenness is a, a reality in our world today and so pretending it doesn't exist is is not going to lead to healing and, but walking, especially depending on the degree of abuse, walking with trained professionals can really help. Yeah.
0: So paint, I'm going to ask you to paint a bit of a picture. A community, whether it's a church or a spiritual community, that practices and invests itself in a healthy perspective on touch. What, what do they look like? What does that look like for for a group of people to really embrace some of the things you're talking about and live them out?
1: So it's hard for me to not put the culture that I, my husband and I recently moved, so we kind of left this culture mm-hmm. um, back in Texas. We're in New York now, um, and we we're sad to leave that culture. But our home group culture was that kind of culture where there was, you know, we saw one another as brothers and sisters primarily and not as um, sexual men and sexual women. We mm. saw one another as image bearers primarily. And I talk about that in my chapter on marriage. Um, if we see one another primarily as a sexual object to either fulfill our sexual fantasy or our, or we are a, somehow a threat to their sexual purity, we're going in with a broken mindset around community. We will never be able to commune really truly over the table, um, if that's our primary, the the view through which we primarily view one another. And so we need to see one another as image bearers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as familial. Um, and so for us, that looks like, you know, the other day, I'll just give an example. Um, so my good friend was here for the weekend and she was walking through something hard and um, she and my husband were talking about it and at the end you know she stood up and he stood up and he went over and just took her in his arms and just hugged her for a really long time and there's something in my heart that comes alive when that happens because I think there's my husband loving my sister and there's something that comes alive because there's my sister being cared for by my husband hmm. and there they have that kind of relationship but there, that is possible it's not just like Um, some sort of fantasy about Christian community. It's an actual reality. Um, And I think when we see one another, we truly see them and we engage their story, it makes it easier to see them as brothers and sisters and image bearers. So I don't know if that's painting the picture exactly what you were saying, but again, I really, I try to stay away from you know, thou shalt and thou shalt not, because I don't know the story that people are living.
0: Well, so. yeah. I, I mean, you didn't, you didn't set out to write a book that was, you know, the 10 easy steps to no. healthy spiritual touch. No. It, it, but that picture of what you just described, I think is so helpful because the question always becomes, okay, so what does this look like? Yeah. And that is one expression of what it could look like. But yeah. thank you for writing this. I think it's really important. I think we can get easily into reactionary thinking about a lot of things, especially the body. So thank you for bringing us back to that.
1: Thank you, Casey.
0: Things in that in that conversation, I, I hope you'll listen to this again. Maybe make some notes on some things that really stood out to you. Lori's insights, uh, her transparency, and I hope you heard what I could see during our interview, which was the care and the tenderness and the compassion that she used, that she brought to everything she had to say. Um, this episode for me was really helpful. Just. Not only to hear from a female's perspective about touch, but for me to be able to talk about the, the fact that we in the church, in churches, not the church big C, but we in churches often just assume that people want to be touched. And that there's so much about that assumption that really pulls away the goodness and even the, the sacredness of touch. So I hope this episode was really helpful for you. Lori Ferguson Wilbert is a thinker, a writer, a learner, and author of the book Handle With Care. She writes for She Reads Truth, Christianity Today, and more as well as her own site, Sayable.net, which you can find the link to. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at @LoriWilbert. Wilbert. Uh, she lives in New York and has a husband named Nate, a puppy named Harper Nell, and too many books to read in one lifetime. You can find all kinds of uh, information about her in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you are streaming on one of the streaming services, iTunes, some of you might be using Amazon music. If you aren't, uh, you can actually find this on Amazon's podcast platform, uh, Spotify. Maybe you're streaming on my website. If you're listening on one of the streaming services, please go and rate and review. Uh, That would be wonderful. If you are listening on my website and you haven't subscribed to uh, my blog and newsletter, I'd love for you to do that. And if you are struggling with um, a history, something in your past, uh, an abuse or a wound that came from touch, and you need help, I'd love for you to reach out and let me know. Uh, There are people who care. There are people who are gifted and skilled to help you. So please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And now may you, in the ways that are appropriate, in the ways that may stretch you, in the ways that may cause you to rethink your assumption of touch, your preconceived notions of touch, may you hear a new word from the Spirit about where touch might become a more sacred and holy thing for you. And may you be assured that if touch is not sacred and holy, you may take a step back be healthy. Till next time, be well, live wisely, peace, friends.